0: So you can make pudding, and you can make the pudding from a theoretical point of view. Create the pudding, and have the pudding sit there in front of you, and you can analyze the pudding and ask the question, is it or is it not pudding? But then how do you know it's pudding? You taste it, and you see that it is good pudding or bad pudding, right? The proof is in the pudding. So we're going to talk about Jesus today and not pudding, But as we talk about Jesus, I want to maintain the fact that the proof is in the pudding. Would you pray with me? Dear God, thank you so much that Jesus is who he is. He is both man and God. As has been said here this morning, and I say amen to it, uh, Jesus is an incendiary character. He is a historical figure and yet still lives. He is man and God, but it still is okay for us to ask the question, is Jesus really who he claimed to be? Is Jesus really God? So we ask that you come and meet us now in this teaching, that you give us wisdom and insight so that we may follow you anew, brand new, today in a new way. So come, God, and speak, speak to each heart in this room, young and old, Uh, advanced in Christianity or just beginning speak to us all in your name we pray amen and amen well we are in the fifth week of our series explore God and particularly today we are studying the idea of Jesus really being God and if you study Jesus from antiquity meaning the Jesus of the last 2,000 years you ask anybody about Jesus Anybody who's seriously studied anything of Jesus, you're going to get a whole bunch of different opinions about what Jesus is and who Jesus is. People have personal opinions that range from Jesus is a liberal to Jesus is a conservative. Uh, Jesus is a Republican or Jesus is a Democrat or Jesus was real or Jesus was a myth or Jesus was a good person or Jesus is God. You hear all kinds of stuff in between those two poles when you talk to people about Jesus. But what you learn when you study the character of the real Jesus, the one who isn't a two-dimensional, colorful piece of glass, but one who has flesh and blood, who died on a cross and really bled there, and whose body was taken down from that cross lifeless. And then how many days later? Three days later, did what? Rose again, brand new, healed and restored, and ready to conquer the world. What is it about Jesus that makes us believe in him? The first part of that, uh, the answer to that question might look like this. 700 years before Jesus was even born, Isaiah the prophet said these words. He was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all." From 700 years before Jesus was born, we started to learn the idea of what the Messiah would be. See, Jesus was never only meant to be just a good person or a great prophet. Jesus was always going to be a sacrifice. He was always going to be a substitution for who? Personally, for you and me. But Jesus was always going to be a sacrifice for all of humanity throughout all time. That was always his purpose. Going to the cross was not a failure of Jesus. Going to the cross was a success. But the world will stand back and say, did this really apply To Jesus, did this prophecy really apply? Well, let's take it back even further. A thousand years before Jesus, in the Psalms is written, I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I've become your father. Ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. We believe and understand in the Christian church today that this was a prophecy about Jesus, that the son of God is God and that he would inherit the nations. What does that mean? That means that the Jesus we believe in was more than just simply a good person or a good prophet or a great leader. He was more than a, a fake or a falsehood in the Jewish faith. He was always meant to be one who would rule in love over the nations. So the Bible makes a great deal out of Jesus. The Christian church tries to do that, but we fail. Mainly by the way we live. And yet God is good all the time and all the time. What God is good. That is the message of Jesus that God is good. And so when we are not, he is still good. And when we are, he is still good. But God is the one to be worshipped and not you and not me. The question for today comes down to deity, the idea That Jesus claims to be God. If you're ever in a conversation with someone who doesn't trust in Jesus, who doesn't believe in Jesus, you're going to find that that person has questions about Jesus, whether or not they will admit them. And the questions usually come down to this, is Jesus God and is he real or is Jesus not? And is he a fake? I'd invite you to take a look just for a moment at this.
1: I heard a story once about a soldier who had served in Vietnam. There was a group of prisoners who were taken hostage and put in a prison camp where they were not just physically tortured, but they were mentally tortured. And so there would be various false raids where they feel like they were being set free, but it would turn out that it was only their oppressors who were trying to destroy their hope. So one day a group of, uh, US Marines were tagged with the operation to rescue these prisoners of war. And so they broke in and they they found the prisoners on the floor and they were beaten, they were psychologically tormented. But they had a problem. Even though they were there to save them, the prisoners wouldn't trust the liberating force. And so one soldier in a moment of genius and compassion realized what he had to do. So he took off his military uniform and stripped himself down like those prisoners were, laid on the floor in the fetal position and just looked them in the eye so that they could see that he was actually one of them. And after they saw that he was one of them and that he had come to rescue them, they were able to trust him and they got dressed and he was able to lead them to safety. And in many ways, this is why I think we can trust Jesus. Jesus claims to be God but he stripped away all of his power, he stripped away all of the things that may cause us to fear him and he came down as a human being to look us in the eye when we feel like we can't trust anybody, to say, I know you, I see you, I know what you're going through, trust me, I can lead you out to the life that you long for. We're desperate to be known, we're desperate to be loved, we're desperate to matter, we're desperate um, to, to live a life of meaning, but who do we trust? And when I heard that, I felt like even in my own heart, I can trust Jesus to lead me to the path of life.
0: The key concept being trust. Everyone trusts someone to lead them. Everyone trusts something to set the course of his or her life. And what is it through Jesus that God calls out in us But trust. Yes, we talk about love. Yes, we talk about serving. Yes, we talk about sacrifice. Yes, we talk about treating others as we would treat ourselves. All of that revolves around the concept of trust. Because if we don't trust God, then why would we do any of that stuff? The one we learn how to trust through is the one who stripped himself got down on the floor, called planet earth, and looked us right in the eye and showed us God, showed us what it meant to look in the face of a loving, just God who works for us and not against us. I'd invite you to take a look at the scripture with me. These are The words of Jesus from John chapter 10. He says in verse 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. I want you to listen to that, church. No one can snatch you away from the one who leads you. No one can take you away from the one who leads you. For my father has given them to me, verse 29 says, and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the father's hand. And then he makes this claim. The father and I are one. So then now the question becomes, if Jesus had the audacity to claim that he is God, not that he is like God or not that he simply follows God and emulates God, but that he is God. And the two of them are one, then we must come to the conclusion that either Jesus is insane or he's God. Now, let me ask you a question. If you ran into anybody in your life today who said, hey, by the way, I discovered over the weekend as I did some research, I'm actually God. How would you respond to that person? You would offer to give them a ride to get checked in to the local mental health facility because clearly that person doesn't behave as a God behaves. Clearly, the the proof is not in the pudding. But then when you run into the power of God, you don't mistaken that for sheer luck, blind, dumb luck, after you've seen God work enough, do you? You look at what God does and you say to yourself, man, there's a proof. The proof is in the pudding. Jesus is his own proof as we study him. And as we take a look at him, we understand that we get to a point where we cannot escape the claim that Jesus makes about himself. I and the father are one. And it literally comes down to the problem and blessing of free will. You and I each have a choice. And we understand in that moment of choice that we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to choose to trust in God. And to believe that his son is his son and God at the same time. Equally by the rights that God has given us with this flesh and blood and the spirit that lives within it for a season. We also have equally the choice to say no, even though Jesus said he's God. I choose in this moment not to believe that he is God, but I choose to believe he is, and you fill in the blank with some other filler. He's a good person. He's a great rabbi. He was a fantastic leader. Even though as you look around the world, you see that Christianity is still growing after two years thousand years. How is that possible? If Jesus is a fake, a falsehood or a lie, how is it possible that we could get so stumped that we could not believe anything other than what he is? Uh, Thomas Aquinas said this, if the incarnation did not really happen, if Jesus was not born in the flesh, Incarnation means in the meat or in the flesh. If incarnation did not really happen, then even the the more believable miracle happened, the conversion of the world by the biggest lie in history. And look at this, the moral transformation of lives where people choose right versus wrong, right? The moral transformation of lives into unselfishness, detachment from worldly pleasures, and radically new heights of holiness God's holiness by a mere myth. So there's an inescapable truth in front of us. And this is exemplified by a very famous character who once said, walk on road, walk right side safe, walk left side safe, walk middle sooner or later, get squished, just like grape. Profound saying here, karate. Same thing. Either you do either karate do yes or karate do no. You karate do guess. So what happens? Squish like grape. Now, Mr. Miyagi had some wisdom for us. By the way, what movie was this from? It was from Karate Kid. Yeah, you 80s and 90s kids know exactly what movie it was. But Mr. Miyagi's not a theologian, but he just makes some common sense here. What's he saying? You choose, or if you don't choose, you get left in the middle to become what? Squish, like grape. The same is true with Jesus. Jesus didn't leave anything open to interpretation when it came to who he is. And by the way, we don't say Jesus was as if he died and never came back. We say Jesus is because he lives to this day. Does he not? Amen and amen. If you believe and trust in him, you know he's alive. If you don't, you set yourself up for another kind of choice. The choice to say, no, Jesus is not who he claimed he was. Now, I have a question for everyone in the room, and I know you guys. I know every single person in this room. Is there anything unclear about what Jesus claimed about himself? As you can see from the scriptures. Is there any doubt whatsoever about what he claimed? At all. If you have a doubt, raise your hand and share it. Isn't it crystal clear what he claimed? That he is God. So isn't it also crystal clear that the choice lies before each one of us? And that we understand, we understand that when Jesus claimed to be God and we trust in God through Jesus, that we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to choose that. It is not my strength. It is not my fortitude it is not my psychological prowess that makes me choose that Jesus is my Savior. It is the Holy Spirit. And in the same moment, I also have the choice to say, no, Jesus is not mine, and Jesus is not who he claimed to be. So literally it comes down to this. Either we face a Jesus who's deluded, who believes he's something that he really is not, or we face a Jesus who is divine, one who came down, got into the dirt with you and me, died there with you and me, as we trust and believe him, and then by his own power, rose again from the grave, paving a path for you and me to a new life. That choice is ours. We know that it lies in front of us, and we know that every single person who lives, every single person who was born in the past, every single person who lives today, every single person who is to come will have that choice in his or her life in some form or fashion in this life. Now, what about for those who never get the choice or never have the choice? Babies who are stillborn, people in countries where The gospel doesn't make it for whatever reason, people who for whatever reason have been turned off by the church and its practices. You know, all of those people are in the hands of a just and loving God. The fact remains though, that the for those of us who know, and those of us who see the message, we have the choice. Where will we choose to place our trust? Now, I know pretty much everybody in this room, everybody in this room trusts in God. You will know people in your life who don't trust in God. So why are you hearing this message if you already a thousand percent trust in God? Why do you think? It's because God intends to put the proof of the pudding of your life in front of people who've never tasted to see that the Lord is good. He intends to use your life to show other people why the proof is in the pudding, why Jesus can be trusted, and how he doesn't mess around when it comes to his divinity. He makes it crystal clear as day is different from night that he makes himself known to you and me. So I'd invite you to do this. As we close the message today and said, we pray together and we get ready to sing together. I'd invite you to search your heart. Think about those that God has placed in your life who need the proof in the pudding. Think about the ways in which God might provide that proof to them through you. And trust and understand that it is not by our strength or by our power that the pudding is proven. But it is by God's power and strength, and he will never ever fail, which means he will always, always succeed. That is the difference between a God and a man. Jesus happens to be both. Would you pray with me? Dear God, you are good and powerful and holy and mighty and righteous and unmatchable. And I worship you, God, with all my heart. And even, God, if I am experiencing you for the first time through your word, through your power, I ask, God, that you build trust in me, that you build faith in me, that I may come alive in you and live for the first time not by doing any certain act, but by simply trusting, believing in you, and following you into a new life. God, come and speak. For there are times when I trust only myself, or I trust the world around me, or I trust agents of my enemy in the world. And instead, I want to trust in you. I want to come to life in you and taste that life. God, the proof is in the pudding. Thank you for showing me that you are, in Jesus, the proof. In your name we pray and together we say, amen.